Philippians chapter 6. Are you ready for the word? Okay. Right, I'm just going to jump right into it. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to say anything. I'm going to be a bit short. Okay. So, um, I want to talk to you today about the power of death. <laughs> Pretty dramatic, but it's, it's, it's a good thing. Okay? Death had a purpose. Death had a purpose. So we're going to see it now. Okay. So, Romans chapter 6. What shall we say to all this? Are we to remain in sin in order that God's grace may multiply and overflow? So, this is in response to the grace, the abundance of grace that has been preached in Romans chapter 5. Uh, Romans 5 ends in this, as you said, that just the sin is raining death, so grace my friend, through righteousness. So there's this outrageous grace that is described in Romans chapter 5. Then he says, what, sh what shall we say of all the grace that is described in Romans chapter 5? Shall we remain in sin that the grace may multiply? Because, you know, when uh, sin... Uh, increase the grace increase more uh, so shall we now sin so that we can get more grace he said no that's brain dead that's not what the message is okay so how can how can we uh, stay in prison longer in order to get more freedom out of the prison you know like the door is open so you need to get out of it okay so he says uh, Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? So you need to start paying attention to the word death and died and die. Okay? So just pay attention. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? Okay. So we, through the, the baptism, that is not going to, to explain here, we have died to sin. So it's not something that you still need to do. If you've been baptized, you die to sin. It's a fact, and it's something that you need to believe. That's the whole revelation of baptism. I was baptized into his death and raised into his resurrection. So the problem is not that you struggle with sin. The problem is that you don't believe the scripture. Okay? So we, let's read the scripture before I tell you that you're not believing it. Okay? So, so that you can believe it. Okay? Because faith comes by hearing. Okay, he says, are you ignorant of the fact? That means there's a fact that we need to be conscious of. Okay, are you with me? Okay, are you, are you going to be quiet all today or are you going to make a noise and say amen and hallelujah and thank you and okay, all right. Okay, so I'm just going to just, awesome Jared, awesome word. Great, okay, okay, okay. I feel encouraged, let's go, okay. So he says, okay, are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Baptized means this. I, it's an it's a, it's a action of faith. It's a prophetic action. I die, I'm baptized into his death. I'm raised into his resurrection. Okay? Baptism doesn't mean that you are now brought under the obligation of the law. If you read Romans 7, it means baptism means that you have died to the law. So it releases you from the covenant. It doesn't seal you to the covenant. It enacts a last will and testament. A testament is activated by death. 
So there's a purpose to death. Death stopped Adam's nature finally and completely. Death ended with finality the carnal nature. Okay? But you you associate with it with that fact by faith. It's going to be active or not active in your life, depending on what you believe. Alright? Baptized into his death. So I closely associate with the death of Christ. Being baptized. I am buried and I'm raised to a new life with him. That's the picture of baptism. Okay? Baptism is not a seal of the government. Baptism is I die and I'm raised to a new life with Christ. Okay? Alright, so he says, For if we have become, no wait, I'm skipping it, skipping the verse, verse 4, we were buried therefore with him by the baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised, from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. So, the Jesus experienced newness of life after the resurrection, in the resurrection? For sure. So we do. Live and behave in newness of life. That means baptism has power to affect your behavior. You have faith in, you trust in his death. Okay, so death had a purpose. Death stops something with finality. Okay, what did God say in the beginning in the garden to Adam and Eve? You can eat of every tree. But don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in that day you will die. Okay, so there's a, there is an effect of the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of sin, it brings death. So, that nature of Adam was activated through the knowledge of good and evil. It's a nature that is contrary to God. In everything, whatever God is, it's the opposite. <laughs> okay? Waywardness. To be willfully against everything. So, you, you constantly fight your own desires. You constantly fight because everything desires the opposite of God. Okay? The natural, uh, the Adam nature, let's call it that. The, the, the carnality in, in humanity. It came through the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. So, Romans 6, let's just forward to verse So, 
it's like a deal deal. That's with the problem. So that's kind of a bad deal. Okay. So God, God's plan is to go through that death for us. Jesus died on the cross. He suffered on the cross, and he took the full punishment of death, ending with finality the power of sin in his flesh. Okay? So death has a finality to it. Okay? Have, have you ever, and I'm not being flippant about this, but have you ever stood beside the grave of a loved one? That finality catches people. There's a finality to it. It's like, this is it. Okay? That same finality is the way your sin, that carnal nature, was ended. In Christ, on the cross. So, the Adam nature, the Adamic nature, was crucified on that cross. He who knew no sin became sin, so that we might be made the righteousness of God. So he became sin. Okay? So Jesus hanging on the cross, the serpent on the pole, he became sin. Okay? All the sin of all people of all time came upon his flesh body and was once for all judged and condemned in the flesh on the cross. So when Jesus said it is finished and he gave up his spirit, forever in finality he ended and conquered sin in his flesh. So John 10 says, Jesus says, no one takes my life. I lay it down voluntarily. Okay? Because I have the power to take it up again. So Jesus had the power to lay down his life. If he didn't lay down his life, he would still be on that cross. No one could take his life. He laid it down voluntarily. And he took it up again. Okay. So Jesus said multiple times. I'm not going to go to all the scriptures. It will be here till Tuesday. If anyone... saves his life, he will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. Okay? If anyone saves his own carnal life, natural life, temporary life, Adam life, he will lose the supernatural life, the Christ life, the God life, the spirit life. If anyone wants to save Adam, they will lose Christ. If anyone wants to save the first man, Adam, they will lose the second man, Christ. If you take 1 Corinthians 15 with it. But if any man loses Adam... For my sake, he will gain Christ. 
So, I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. The I is Adam in me. That I, that life, crucified with Christ, ended with finality forever, once for all. I have been crucified with Christ, and yet I live. But it is not I that live anymore, because I was crucified with Christ. But it is Christ that lives inside me. Okay. So, through the tool of death, Jesus was able, in his own flesh body, to destroy sin with finality and end Adam and kill him completely. And he took back his life again, the second man, second Adam, the, the last Adam. Now let's continue Romans 6. Just listen to this. He says, We know that our old, unrenewed self, Adam, was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil. Wouldn't you like your body to be totally inactive for evil? Wouldn't you like your body, your body, to not be responsive to sin, to not be responsive to temptation, to not be responsive to the Adamic nature at all? Okay, this is the power of death. This is the power of baptism. He says, uh, we were buried with him in baptism to death so that Justice Christ was raised so we too might habitually live. If we have become one with him by sharing a death like his, we shall also be one with him in sharing his resurrection. So it's in becoming one with him. Then we know that our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him. If I know I am baptized into his death, I'm one with him. I'm one because I'm, I'm one with him crucified. I'm one with him buried. I'm one with him raised. Go crucified. Go buried. Go raised. Ephesians 2, 6, go, go seated with Christ in heavenly places. Okay? The, the question is not what you experience now. The question is, what did he do? And do you believe if you associate with him, if you understand that you are one with him now, that you don't belong to yourself anymore, that, but you were bought with a price, that you, you don't exist anymore, it's only him. You don't have an opinion anymore. You don't have any rights anymore. You don't have your own life anymore. You don't have a right to your own opinion. What you have is Christ's opinion in you, <laughs> which is always a better opinion to have. What you have is Christ's will inside of you. So your body is deactivated to the will of the flesh and activated to the will of Christ. Okay? So your desires change. Then you don't have to fight your desire anymore. Okay? Adam died. Christ was raised. Okay, he says, we know that our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross because we believe that we are one with him. In order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective, inactive for evil. 
verse 7. For when a man dies, he is freed from the power of sin. Okay, so how do you end the power of sin? Death. But Jesus took that death upon himself, ending the power of sin in his body. Now we are one with him in his body, which means if I'm so closely associated with him, now we too might live and behave in the newness of life. Now we too once for all died to sin. Now we too live in fellowship, in unbroken fellowship with God in a new nature. Okay? Because I'm associated with him. And in his body, once for all, sin was completely destroyed. Because he went through death. And because of death, that sin is, is freed from the power of sin. Remember, Jesus never sinned, but he was tempted in every respect as we are yet without sinning. So Jesus had the exact same bodily temptations as we had that was completely conquered by going through death that adam nature which he also experienced was ended completely stopped forever and he took back his life okay the life that he laid down was adam the life that he took up was christ the life that he laid down, natural life, and that life was not resurrected. It was left in the grave and ended with finality. The life that he took back is the eternal, everlasting, immortal life of God now in his flesh. Okay? Listen to this. He says... If we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall live with him. So do we believe that we have died with him? Do we believe that we have died with him? Okay. Because we know that Christ being once raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. For by the death he died, he died to sin ending his relation to it once for all, and the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin or dead to Adam, and your relation to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore rule as king in your mortal bodies to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lusts and passions. So now, after this, listen, it's by faith. After, after everything that is done, what do you associate with? If you fight for the Adam life, you're going to lose that life. If you want to fix Adam by the law, you're going to lose Christ. So if you're going to try change yourself by your own actions, if you're going to try by the law, I'm going to try, I'm not going to steal, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not, you're going to lose Christ. Okay? So what do you do if you read Romans chapter 7? Sin finds opportunity in the commandment to express itself. 
So what you are doing is you are reviving the sinful desire by looking at the law, trying not to do something. Because it's knowledge of sin. So you have fellowship with the wrong thing. You're fighting for the Adam life. And if you try to save that, you lose this one. Okay. But if you lose the Adam life for my sake, I've been crucified with Christ. Gareth is irredeemable. He cannot be changed. He's rotten to the core. Let him die. Okay? So because of union with him, union with his body, in his, because I believe in him, and I believe through baptism, I've been baptized into his death, and now my, uh, all my Adam things have been crucified with him. And you, in union with him, because I'm baptized into his death, I'm baptized into his resurrection. Now I'm one with him in his life. Now I am the body of Christ. Okay? And in the body of Christ, sin is completely overcome. There is a place in Christ. There is a place in God where Adam doesn't rule you anymore. But where Christ rules. Where Christ flows out of you and not Adam. So, what do you believe about yourself? What you believe about yourself is what's going to come out. What people see in your life is a reflection of what you believe about yourself. Do you still believe Adam is active and Christ's work on the cross didn't really kill Adam? And I still have to help Jesus a little bit to change me. Or do I believe that Jesus ended Adam once for all, ended with finality, through death, freed from the power of sin? And I just leave that remorse there and I'm raised to a new life in Christ. Never to die again. With other words, eternal life. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. 1 John 5. Okay, so, because of our union with Him, He is the head, we are the body. All right? Okay. Maybe like five, six years ago, I brought a word on Good Friday about the body of Christ. Jesus was crucified in his flesh and bone body. Okay? His body was on that cross, physical body. His blood was shed. After his blood was shed, he was put in a tomb. A body without blood. Okay? When he took back his life, he still had the holes in his hands and feet. Okay? And he said to the disciples next to the lake, he said, give me some fish, flesh and bone. No mention of blood. He could appear there. He appeared to the twelve in the upper room to the 11 actually in the upper, upper room no limitations he appeared there he appeared there he went to, with the two on their way to Emmaus broke bread with him their eyes were open they recognized him gone 
but it was a flesh and bone body. He broke bread. The two pieces of bread were still there. Okay? So, no limitations. Natural body. Flesh and bone. His body is not in a tomb. Where is his body now? In spirit. So what did Jesus do? He said, Acts chapter 1, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Okay? And you will be my witnesses. And then a cloud came. And a cloud received him out of their sight. His whole body. Without blood, what kept him alive? Not blood, glory, life, the light, the spirit. His life was in the spirit, not in blood. Adam's life is in blood. The glory, light, life of God was in the physical body of Jesus just before the ascension. Okay, so, though your sins be red as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. Your life is now, you don't have the Adam blood life anymore. Your life is in the spirit. So, we need to associate with him, okay, until his glory manifests on us, okay? What do we believe about ourselves? Okay, so, in union with him, we share his resurrection life. In union with him, we have died with Christ, and we are raised together in a new life with him. In union with him, the death that he died on the cross ended my old nature with finality. In union with him, Herod was crucified with Jesus. In union with him, Herod is raised with Christ in a completely new life. You are not an, an improved version 2.6 of the same thing. You've got an upgrade, maybe a download or something, and now you've got new firmware and you're the same thing but a little bit of an upgrade. It's a completely different new thing. You're a completely new creation. Adam is taken out of you and Christ is placed into you. So we can't look at the Adam life and try to change him. If you try to get this life ready and right and fix Adam, you're going to lose this. You've got to completely abandon it and understand that with finality, this life was ended, the sinful life in me was ended at the cross through the power of death. It stopped, death stopped it, and there's no, nothing going on after that. So, it's not Adam that was raised from the dead. It's Christ that was raised from the dead. Adam is still in the grave. That's the whole point of the cross is to kill off the Adam nature and leave it in death. And so that we can put on the Christ nature and go on with him. So, his flesh and bone body is taken up, cloud received him out of their sight. Acts chapter 1. Are you with me? Next chapter, Acts chapter 2. And they were all in one place, in one accord, and suddenly... There was a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. Tongues of fire divided and sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So where's the flesh and bone body of Jesus? 
It's in the Spirit. Where's the Spirit? Brought out in the church. So because of our union with the Holy Spirit, the body where sin was completely conquered, the body that was raised from the dead, that is now in spiritual form, is now inside you. You are now part, he's wearing you like a glove. If the Spirit of God is inside you, the body of, the physical body of Christ is inside you. Oh, this is too weird, Gerard. Well, just, it's, just think about it. It's, it's what it comes down to. His body is not in a grave. His body is not in planet heaven. Heaven is a higher realm. If, if you have the Spirit of God, heaven is inside you. Jesus said, the kingdom does not come by observation. Look, it's here or it's there. But the kingdom will be inside you. So the Spirit is inside you. Where is Jesus? He's in the Spirit. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. Where's that place? It's the secret place of the Most High. It's a place in a higher realm. It's a place in the Spirit. And He opened up a way for us through His crucified body. So that we can enter in there. But in the same time, as we enter in there, He enters into us. Christ is in us. We are in Christ. Heaven is inside you. Not on a planet beyond Pluto. Heaven is in you. It's higher. It's unseen because it's spirit. So everything that is in heaven is inside you. So how is it released? Well, what do you believe? Where's your focus? Am I seated with Christ in heavenly places? Am I one with him there? Do I believe I've died and I'm with Christ? If I lose my life for his sake, I'll gain that life. I demonstrated it through baptism. I lose that life. Gone. I lose myself, Philippians 2 and 3, from what is behind. And I grab a hold on what is in front of me, what Christ has apprehended me for. I grab a hold of it. So there's something to grab a hold of. It's that manifestation of Christ. Okay. So, you are the body of Christ. He is spirit, unseen. His flesh body, in spirit, is placed in you. Jesus said, don't even know what the time is. Jesus said, he took his body and he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. So when you eat it, you eat it by faith. You don't eat it by unbelief as a ritual. You eat it by faith. Jesus made a statement. He said, this is my body. Oh, do we have the guts to believe him? You don't eat this as a cracker. You eat this as the body. Which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. He did not say eat this in remembrance of your sins. If you eat this in remembrance of your sins, what will happen? All the way back here. Then this becomes another sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10 says the following. 
Just to listen to this. I'm trying to get something over. Just trying to get something over. We'll get there. He says, verse 3, As it is, these sacrifices annually bring a fresh remembrance of sins to be atoned for, because the blood of bulls and goats is powerless to take sins away. Hence, when Christ entered into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. So if this is just another ritual, if this is just another sacrifice, it will be powerless to take sins away from you. Because if this brings a fresh remembrance of sins, you have taken your eyes off of the power of the cross. And you have placed your trust in your own actions, bringing a sacrifice, eating communion as if though it will give you heaven points. Instead of having fellowship with the body broken, the bread and wine was, was first given to Abraham in Genesis 13:14 in the valley where he conquered the kings of Sodom. Okay? It was given to him by Melchizedek. Bread and wine, the gospel was first preached to Abraham. You put a table, you lay a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Psalm 23. David ate. So what's the table? Remember in Egypt, you have to eat the whole lamb. Okay? Your body needs to be part of his body. Jesus said in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. If you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Do you want the life of Christ? Do you want to lose the life of Adam and gain the life of Christ? Then when you eat communion, you must believe this is his body. This is just by faith. I'm not being weird saying this is physically turning into his flesh when you eat it. Catholics believe that, that it's, good, it's fine. It's closer than thinking it's an, another ritual. Okay? But just simply by faith. Because Jesus said it, I believe it. He said it's my body. It's, it's his body. Okay. Which, with, with other words, I feed on his flesh body, and in his flesh body, sin was conquered. So it becomes part of mine. He said, this is the New Testament, Matthew 26, 28, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is the New Testament in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink in remembrance of me not in remembrance of your sins because if you have remembrance of sins to be atoned for you just go back and the sin consciousness stays there and you are not set free from it it's another sacrifice and it brings you to death and that's why paul said in first corinthians chapter 10 he said if you do not discern that this is his body and this is his blood. If you don't descend that this is his body. That's why many of you are weak and sickly and quite enough of you has passed over into the sleep of death. Okay? Because we don't discern it's his body. He didn't say, if you don't discern the body. Oh, I discern, before I take communion, I discern all these different 30,000 denominations is his body. Oh, I discern. Oh, I discern. How do you discern? 
oogies halfmaas, lippies gepers, discern. That's not discerning, that's just spooky. Okay? Oh, I discern the body. What are you even saying? What does that even mean? I discern the body. Hey, if you believe Christ in your heart, you're the body of Christ. I don't care. The organization is completely irrelevant. It's got nothing to do with God. It's so, it's so that we can have a bank account in this earth and operate. So if people want to build their organizations, that's their problem. But it's got nothing to do with the body of Christ. The body of Christ, in all these 30,000 denominations, there are people in those organizations who are the body of Christ, who have Christ in them and they are in Christ, and there are people in those organizations who does not have Christ in them. Your membership to a certain organization does not guarantee you being the body of Christ. Faith in Christ guarantees you being a body, the body of Christ. Okay, so if we don't discern that this is his body, see, we'll be sick and we die. But if we understand this is his body, and we partake of his body, this is the sacrifice that he gave that ended all sacrifices. This is the fulfillment of all the feasts. This is the fulfillment of the whole covenant. The whole law is fulfilled in this one sacrifice. Do you want the new? Say, thank you for what you did, Lord. Thank you that this body is sinless perfection, and I can now partake of your innocence. I can now partake of your life. He just said it. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. John 6. So I eat this as the flesh. This is his flesh. I eat it. Thank you, Lord. doesn't make us cannibals. makes you a believer. Okay? So through his death, Adam in you died. Finally. You don't have to try and fix it. You don't have to try and... You just believe. I died in him. And then if we have died with him, then the other side of the coin is true as well. I'm also one with him in his resurrection. Which means Christ is alive on the inside of me. Which means everything that counts for him counts for me. So I do not have the luxury of reason. I don't have an opinion anymore. It's only him. If he thinks something, that's the only thoughts allowed in my mind. If he says something, that's the only words allowed in my mouth. If he does something, that's the only works that's supposed to be coming from me. No more separate opinion from him. Which means we are proud if we don't believe what he says about us. He says, you are holy. You are righteous. You are blameless before God. You are forgiven. You have been made righteous, man. God looks at you and he sees sinless perfection because of this. Because Jesus was crucified for you. Just listen to this. Just go back to Romans. Romans chapter 8 says the following. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Do you see this group? The in Christ group that lost Adam, baptized into his death? Okay. There's no condemnation for you if you believe in him. 
The death only, sin leads up to death and the law leads up to death. Romans 6 if you read the whole thing, Romans 7 if you read the whole thing. Okay, so now he says, so, so you're free from sin and you're free from the, the law. Okay, now he says, the law of the spirit of life which is in Christ Jesus. That's the indwelling Holy Spirit. The law of the spirit of life which is in Christ Jesus. The law of our new being has freed me from the law of sin and death. So Christ's nature in me has set me free from Adam's nature in me. So the tree of life has set me free from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So what do you believe? He says, for God has done what the law could not do. So the law was powerless. So its power was weakened by the flesh. So the law was only as strong as the, the, the people under the law. So if people couldn't obey the law, the law wasn't strong. So because Jesus was strong enough to obey everything on the law, he could be the perfect sacrifice and he had the power to end it all. The law is only as powerful as your obedience to it. None of us can, but he did. He says the, what the law could not do, its power being weakened by the flesh, the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit, sending his own son in the guise of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, God condemned sin in the flesh, subdued it, overcame it, deprived it, deprived it of its power over all who accept that sacrifice. How do you accept the sacrifice of Jesus? You believe in the cross of Jesus. Not by you trying to obey anything. Not by you trying to do anything. You trust in Jesus' death for you. Okay? So, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Is the law, right, law righteous? Yes. Is the law just? Yes. How is the requirement met in us? Only in uni with union in Christ. Have we not died? Can Adam obey the law? No. Can Christ obey the law? Yes. So we need to understand we are in union with him. By the death he died, he ended his relation to sin once for all. So if we are now in union with Christ, that same life is available to us today. That same life is available to us today. Does that mean I can now sin? No, it means that that whole nature, that whole consciousness of sin, that whole thing is gone. You don't even have to try and make yourself better because you find your life in Him and it's only Him living through you and He does not sin. There's a place in Christ where sin cannot touch you. There's a place in Christ where sin, where you're completely saved from all temptation and shielded from it. So, in in your daily life, move towards trust in Him. Move toward trust in Him. If you, if you trust in yourself, if you think going to church or eating communion or what they call every six months does something, but it only makes you more conscious of sin, you're fooling yourself. Communion is powerful. If you understand it's the body of Christ, you're healed when you eat it. 
if you understand the, the power of Christ, the temptation is deactivated when you eat it because it's faith. But if you just do it because you know you have to do it and you think about, you meditate on all your sins. Oh, I'm so sinful, Lord. I'm so sinful. And you remember your sins before taking communion. This is you ministering death to yourself. Because what you're doing is you're bringing a fresh remembrance of sin. You're reviving Adam and you are cutting off the power of the cross from your life. But if you take the same communion, fully trusting that Jesus did everything for me, I believe this is your sacrifice. He overcame sin, subdued it, deprived it of power over all who accept the sacrifice. If this doesn't shake religion, I don't know what will. Okay? Does it make sense? Is it an offensive word? Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and all his disciples left. <laughs> this is a hard and strange saying. Who can bear to hear it? Remember Sunday's meeting of the years. Who can bear to listen to it? Okay? Jesus looked to the, to the, to the, eleven, the 12 by that time. He said, do you also want to go? Peter said, where shall we go with you are the words of life? He didn't say, come back, come back. He just turned to his 11 and said, do you, the 12. He said, do you, do you want to go as well? Does this offend you? So it's an offensive thing to a religious mind and it's an offensive thing to a philosophical mind. What I'm saying now. To those who are being called Christ is the, or being saved, to us who are called, Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. First Corinthians 1. To those, to the Jews, it's an offense. To the Greeks, it's a stumbling block. But to us who are saved. Lord, thank you for your body. Broken for us. Thank you that death had power to kill sin. And that you went through that and sin was killed in your body. Thank you, Jesus, that you took back your life. A sinless life. Now in your body, sin is subdued. I partake of this sacrifice so that in my body, being now the body of Christ, sin can be subdued, overcame, deprived of power. Thank you for what you did. Do we know the value of what he gave to us? This is liquid forgiveness. You don't sort out your life first to qualify to take this. This sorts out your life. It washes away all condemnation. It washes away all sin. When you drink of the blood of Jesus, believing that this is the blood of Jesus, when you drink it, your conscience is cleansed according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 or 14. The blood of Christ cleanses our consciences from dead works and lifeless observances. Thank you for cleaning my conscience, Jesus. Thank you for washing away all awareness of sin. So after we, you take communion, 
all awareness of anything that you've ever done wrong should be gone. Okay? After you take, when you take communion, healing should, should zap through your body and heal you. Because it's a manifestation of Him. Okay? So, I, want, I want, just want you to, to understand that there's, there's power in the death of Jesus. There's, there's something happened on that cross. And you become one with that by partaking of the offering of his flesh body that he brought. So thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that this is the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus. We partake of this being the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that we are saved from sin's dominion. Thank you, Jesus, that as this becomes one with us, we are one with the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. Your spirit dwells on the inside of us. Your nature dwells on the inside of us. We are free in God. In Jesus' name. Okay. Right, so, uh, amen.